Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 163, Next Gen STEM. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. This one is for the students and teachers out there that want to get involved with NASA, even getting some experience with NASA before you hit college. NASA has some exciting ways to get involved in America's space agency and get real hands-on experience. An initiative called Next Gen STEM is doing just that. And there are some incredible challenges to get involved with where students can contribute to NASA missions directly. On this episode, we're bringing in Jamie Semple and Mike McGlone, education specialist and coordinator respectively, based here at the Johnson Space Center, to talk about some of the more recent challenges and how you can stay tuned for some upcoming opportunities. Let's get right into it, of course, after our opening music. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Jamie and Mike, thanks so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today. Thanks, Gary. It's great to be here. Same, Gary. Very glad to be back on again after a couple years ago. We did a fun one. Looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, Mike, it's been a while. That's right. We did uh, Microgravity University. Magoo was the last thing we talked about. This one's a little bit different. It's called Next Gen STEM. There's a lot of really cool uh, challenges coming up in the very near future and some that have already taken place, and we're going to recall some of the ones that have been uh, I guess, just recently passed. So this is very exciting, some of the opportunities that can uh, be for students. I want to get a little bit of a better understanding of who we're talking to here, uh, just some of your background so we know who are the people that are actually leading some of these uh, activities that get students to participate in actual real-life NASA missions. Jamie, we'll start with you. Sure. So I actually started my career uh, doing research. I was actually part of a team that did nutrition science research out of the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I originally graduated from Stanford University with a biology degree, and while I was working in the laboratory, I really was interested in actually um, moving on to teach and actually coach, uh, coach basketball specifically. Uh, so I went ahead and actually completed my master's of secondary education, and then from there went on to teach high school and middle school science, as well as coach football and basketball. So really enjoyed that. Uh, in 2006, I had the opportunity to actually come to Houston to join the Space Center Houston uh, education team at the official visitor center for Johnson Space Center. And I was there for about six years, really enjoyed working with the team there and the programs, and then had the opportunity to come to Johnson Space Center, and specifically the Office of uh, STEM Engagement, which um, – at that time, was actually the Office of Education. So I um, was there for about six years as well and um, really enjoyed just being part of the NASA family and being able to serve in a role to provide education programs to people around the nation. I did go ahead and, and, and explore some different opportunities in 2017, but uh, made my way back to Johnson Space Center at the end of 2018, and I've been working on the NASA App Development Challenge ever since. So looking forward to sharing some information about that today. Well, very good, and it's so nice to have you back. Um, I'm, I'm zooming in here on, on the part of your career where you were going for a science uh, degree, and then some, somewhere in there you got passionate about teaching others. Was it, 
was it a moment, uh, some some event that you went out and you were teaching and something just clicked where you're like, oh wow, this is this is awesome. I, I can actually influence other people's careers. This is what I want to do. Was there some moment that that made you want to change your career path? You know, I wouldn't say a specific moment. Um, I was always a big fan of NASA and um, was very interested in, in what was going on with the agency. And I actually grew up uh, west of Houston, Katy, Texas. And I remember coming to Johnson Space Center um, as a little kid. So I uh, always jo- enjoyed, um, you know, seeing what was going on and very interested in the space program. So, and I also like working on teams where I can help others be successful. So just as I was thinking about those things and enjoying coaching basketball and just wanted to try to, you know, bring all those things together. So been very lucky. Like I said, I was lucky to, you know, be able to come over in uh, 2006 and um, actually join the Space Center Houston team and then obviously uh, come on board with uh, Johnson Space Center in the Office of Education. So um, it's been, uh, you know, close to, I would say, 12 years now in space science education, but um, I really have enjoyed the opportunities to be able to, to serve the community and, and obviously uh, teach as many people as possible. Very good. I'm very excited to get into some of those things that we're doing here at NASA. But first, let's go back over to Mike. Mike, a little bit about yourself. Sure, you bet. Um, My background is in uh, STEM education and and training. I've uh, been a classroom teacher, uh, teaching mostly high school sciences. I also worked in the nonprofit area for a while, doing informal education. Uh, and training of, uh, of volunteers. Um, I came to NASA first in uh, 2004, working with a group at the time, Aerospace Education uh, Services Project, which did uh, teacher development programs, teacher education um, throughout the United States. Um, also did student programs, et cetera. Um, had to leave for a while. Um, there was the shuttle program, some cutbacks. So I spent some time then uh, doing online education and developing a science curriculum and activities, and then got the opportunity to come back a few years ago and to the Office of Education, now Office of STEM Engagement, and have been working on these new student challenges, which is our uh, focus for today about you know getting kids excited about NASA and getting them actually involved in the missions. Well, let's, let's go right into that, Mike. Um, you, both of you mentioned uh, starting in the Office of Education. Now it's called... Uh, NASA STEM engagement. So, so Mike, tell me a little bit more about this. What is what is STEM engagement? You bet. Um, about, well, I guess it started about two years ago, but about 18 months ago, it became official. So we moved to the Office of STEM engagement, and what it was was more than just a name change. We really wanted to focus on engaging students in NASA's mission. I mean, that's actually kind of our, our tagline: to inspire, engage, educate, and employ. Um, you, know, you go out and talk to folks about the, the STEM pipeline, uh, you know, kids, students out there that are working towards STEM careers, which, of course, NASA employs hundreds of those and through our contractors, thousands of those. And we need to keep people moving along that pipeline to get involved. So what we want to do is focus on those um, activities that actually engage the, the, the students in, in our mission from the from the simplest things of you know watching an eclipse or watching a launch and doing some things to the type of activities we're going to talk about today where students are actually doing some basic research and designing of, of materials and uh, and software that may actually be used in future missions 
Oh, see, that's very significant. It's not just like a random exercise. This is actual practical, practical uh, research and experience. Some someone can uh, lock onto it um, and then find that there's actual use to some of this. And if they find it fun and interesting, perhaps dedicate their uh, their careers to it. As per that last uh, uh, thing you mentioned, Mike, uh, that was the the purpose and the goals of STEM engagement. That last one. Uh, being employed, getting getting more people to to go into STEM fields. Yeah, most definitely. Just passion on that. Uh, you know, it is uh, one of those things we keep hearing about from Congress, nat, nat, national leaders, is we need more folks involved in the STEM fields, not only at NASA but across the across the country. And of course, we're interested in the NASA folks, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something very important to the country. And you're talking about a whole range of uh, programs. How do we do this? How do we engage? Uh, students and get them to this point where they're actually considering or at the very least participating in uh, STEM uh, activities, being science, technology, engineering, math. What's the whole, if you if you were to take a whole snapshot of, of STEM engagement and all the activities uh, that's being done within that office, what, what kinds of things could you expect to do? Oh, wow, it's a long, long list, uh, <laughs> which we don't have time to cover all the day, but I can give you a brief overview, and I think Jamie will jump in with a few of the uh, some specifics. But we have programs uh, that are designed everywhere in both the formal and the informal education world. Um, you know, we focus at, at students that are K through 16, so it's not just your elementary, middle, and high school students. Uh, we have, there are programs out there for college uh, students, grad, even graduate level, and even, even, even some postdoctorate things. It includes internships for those students. Um, and it can be as simple as activities that teachers can use in the classroom about um, Artemis, like the SLS or the Orion, to very simple things such as um, during the launch, we put together education kits that teach students about, like the recent uh, um, commercial crew launch that we had back in into May, 1st of June. Some of the more in-depth things are such as the challenges that Jeremy, uh, Jamie and I are going to talk about just a little bit more here today. Yeah, let's go right into that then, uh, Jamie. So, so the topic of today's discussion is is next gen STEM. That's one of the many, uh, I guess, activities that fall under the umbrella of STEM engagement. Uh, tell me a, a little bit more about this. What's what's next gen STEM? So, next gen STEM is actually a project um, composed of a variety of different um, items, and Mike touched on a little bit of those. And um, but pretty much it's an integrated portfolio of everything from activities. To educational products, uh, grants, partnerships, and then student engagement opportunities. Uh, primarily focused on the idea that we want to be able to provide an opportunity for K through 12 students to directly contribute to what NASA's project and mission goals. So uh, that development challenge and the, the where challenge are actually under that um, project umbrella. And um, within Next Gen STEM, there's quite a few different things, and I might talk a little bit about those, but they're really um, focused into four key areas or mission-driven um, focus areas. There is uh, commercial crew, uh, aeronautics, moon to Mars, and STEM on station. And Mike and I actually work on the moon to Mars team, and uh, within that specific uh, project, there are actually five student um, challenges, there are uh, educator guides, um, there are a lot of different resources available 
uh, in regards to current projects that are going on. Like Mike talked a little bit about um, resource kits for uh, upcoming missions. There's actually a March 2020 toolkit that is available online. So uh, there's a wide, wide range. Excuse me. There's a wide range of different activities and opportunities for people to get involved with. So um, if you look at some of the other uh, focus areas, there's virtual reality field trips, uh, there's a citizen science guide, uh, there's videos, there's actually opportunities for professional development uh, through the Education Pro Educator Professional Development Collaborative. So just a lot of different things, but the main goal here is to get, get people excited and spark their interest in STEM, uh, really focus on showing them that there are ways to be involved in STEM careers and then just giving them that opportunity to contribute to what NASA is doing. So um, that's exactly where that development challenge and the where challenge fall in place. There's so many elements to this, Jamie. It's, it's, it can be a little bit overwhelming just diving into the list that you were uh, going through. I'm trying to think about myself. If I, was a, if I was a teacher, if I was a student, and I, was, and I had general interest in participating in some of these, I know a lot of people engaged with the uh, commercial crew program uh, with the Demo 2 mission, Bob and Doug launching to the station, returning home to Earth. A lot of people engaged in that, but now there's actually a chance to participate in some, some of that program, and you guys are part of the Moon to Mars, so some, some exploration initiatives. Very, very exciting stuff. But if I were to look at that, I'd be, I'd be kind of overwhelmed right off the bat. Oh, man, there's so much. There's all these different resources that I can go. Where do I start? Jamie, if you were to, if you were to uh, say this to either, either a student teacher or student or someone that was uh, eligible or, 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 I guess, interested in investigating some of this, where would you tell them to, to start, to at least dip their toes in the water here? Yeah, great question. So it kind of depends on um, which group you're in, but uh, definitely go to the Next Gen STEM website, and that will give you an opportunity to obviously uh, see, see what's there. You can click on the different um, mission focus areas and see all the, the resources that are available. Like you said, there's just a lot of uh, great products out there, great activities, um, and things that people can participate in as well. So um, another way to, to get involved and actually get updates on what's going on, more current updates is the NASA Express, and you can actually sign up for that email, and you'll get updates on what's going on as far as projects, challenges, live events, uh, kind of like you were talking about with uh, Demo2 and, of course, um, the upcoming Crew-1 mission here in a few months. So um, you definitely want to sign up for that, especially if you want to get those you know, specific up-to-date um, opportunities uh, via email and, and see those um, as they're coming out. And then also NASA social media. I know that both Mike and I, for our student challenges, we actually utilize that to get information out about information sessions or in the case of uh, our challenge start date or our kickoff events. Uh, so we definitely utilize that as well. So there's just a, like you said, there's a lot out there, and there's a couple different ways that you can actually find out what's going on uh, in regards to uh, the Office of STEM Engagement, and in this case, Next Gen STEM. Now, Mike, I'm 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 listening to some of these uh, resources that Jamie's pointing out, and I think what's what's nice about this is we're in this interesting time where COVID-19 has a lot of us working from home. I know NASA, us specifically at the Johnson Space Center, many of us. Uh, are, are in a work-from-home status, but it seems like a lot of these different resources that you can access are online and available either if you're, if you're going into the office, uh, performing jobs there or, or at school, um, or if you're, you're like us and you're stuck at home. There's, there's a lot of these, uh, there's a ways to access this information even during uh, COVID-19. Oh, most definitely. Um, 
if you go to the webpage uh, that uh, Jamie mentioned, uh, nasa.gov forward slash STEM, um, it'll take you to our, uh, our our page within NASA that breaks down all the activities uh, like you were talking about. And what, what do we have for students? What do we have that would be of interest to uh, educators? Um, and even for students, it breaks it down to their age range. And a new product that we actually did as uh, COVID-19 actually you know, took off back in April, we went through a lot of our activities and pulled them together in a product we called NASA at Home. And these were activities that um, as a group of our educators went through to actually review and say, hey, these are things that students actually could do at home that fit in their curriculum. Where does it fit? Um, either to help supplement what the teacher's having them do for classes or just something to do for the fun of it. Um, so, and that's all pulled together. Like you, like you were saying, it is a plethora. Uh, trying to keep up with it will drive you a little bit crazy. Um, but there's plenty of stuff there to, to look at, and it's broken down, like I said, in a really nice way for you to look at, you know, by grade. Are you a student? What do you look for? You know, you, uh, do you want to be a NASA intern? Do you want to be – are you in kindergarten and looking for something to do? Are you looking at it with your parents? It's just a great site to go and find what, what, what you're looking for. This is perfect, and I know this can be um, overwhelming, so so I'm lucky to have both of you on today because you are leading specific challenges uh, that we can dive into now. So so um, going beyond this, this cloud of information, all of these different resources that you can access, let's dive into the spe- these some of the specific things uh, that can be done through this program, through NextGen STEM. Jamie, I know you're the lead for the App Development Challenge. This one sounds interesting. I know you had some experience with the uh, App Development Challenge before. Tell me a little bit about this one. Yes, we're very excited to launch year two of the App Development Challenge. Um, all the information I'll be talking about today is actually available uh, on our ADC website, and um, that's nasa.gov forward slash education forward slash app challenge. Um, but this is year two. Our pilot program year last year, we actually collaborated with the Ascent Abort 2 team or the AA2 team to actually have students build uh, an app that would visualize flight data for the flight test that took place in July of 2019. Uh, so it was a great pilot program year for us. Um, we had uh, the opportunity to actually bring a couple teams down to the to the flight test at Kennedy Space Center and um, we're actually uh, building off the success of that pilot program year to launch the new challenge, which is actually open for registration right now. And in just a few days, we will actually have our live virtual kickoff event on September 30th. So uh, this year's challenge, we are collaborating with the NASA Space Communications and Navigation Team. Uh, their acronym is SCAN, so we'll refer to them as NASA SCAN. So um, we are partnering with SCAN to have student teams create an app that will visualize uh, the South Pole region of the moon. So as everyone talks about the Artemis program and uh, us returning to the moon, uh, this is a direct tie-in to exactly where future exploration will be. So we're very excited that we can offer this to the middle school and high school students across the nation. So we're looking forward to getting the challenge up and running on September 30th. You know, if I'm a middle school and high school student, I'm trying to remember myself back in the day, and I'm, I'm hearing this, right? I'm hearing, hey, you have an opportunity to to come up with this great way to map the polar region and to do all these these fancy space things. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is is I'm, I'm immediately, Jamie, I'm immediately overwhelmed. I'm like, there's no way that I have the skill set to do this. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, but 
how how can I contribute to something like this? I I, I don't have any experience. I might not be the right person to do this. Um, tell me about the you know the, the whole challenge in the in the ways to make it accessible to those that might be interested and take this opportunity to learn how to do it. Um, for those that may want to participate, but at this point are kind of scared to. That's a great question and comments uh, regarding the challenge. Uh, we have worked very hard to make it um, more accessible to, to students. Um, this is a highly rigorous challenge, um, and seven weeks is a very short time frame to obviously create an app. Uh, so um, teams that are registered to actually build the app uh, actually have to have a minimum of five students. Uh, they also have to have a lead teacher, and there's more information on the website regarding eligibility and actually how to register a team to participate. Uh, but we do provide a lot of resources along the way to help teams be successful. On September 30th, when we have our live kickoff event, we will actually um, have on our website the ABC guide. And that guide will give you all the specifics and details of how to participate in the challenge and exactly what we hope to see with uh, your team's um, Lunar South Pole app. So um, in addition to that, we will also provide a lunar data file. That's the actual data. Um, it's the position and slope data from the area that we want you to visualize. So uh, you'll actually have both of those components. And then during our live kickoff event, we'll talk about how to get started in developing your app. So if you have an interest in coding, computer science, um, you know, obviously you're going to have to work with uh, some other folks. But um, a minimum of five students makes up a team. There is no maximum uh, team size, so you can have many folks as, as you'd like to participate um, in the first phase of developing your app. Um, and then along the way, we're also going to provide, uh, provide live virtual connections where we actually have subject matter experts from, from NASA talk through how to develop an app. So we'll be supporting teams that way throughout the entire challenge. See, that's a great way to, to kick off. If you, if you have a basic interest in space and you have a basic interest in, in coding and, and software, which I know is a, is a very big field and with a lot of opportunities, this, is, this sounds like an amazing opportunity. I wanted to um, zoom in, though, on this Ascent Abort 2 app development challenge that you had. This is something you already did. Um, you, have a, you have a case where you tried something new and uh, you, you saw it through to the end with, with results. Can you tell me more about that challenge, how, how the students engaged uh, with the Ascent Abort 2 and some of, the, some of those things you saw at the end of this whole process? Sure, yeah. So that was our pilot program year. So we were trying to uh, obviously figure out how to navigate a, a new challenge and provide it to students at the same time. So uh, it was very interesting. But we did have a technical advisor from the Ascent Abort 2 team uh, we, have, we do the same thing with this year's challenge. We actually have a technical advisor from the SCAN team. And uh, last year with the Ascent Abort 2 challenge, we were able to provide resources and best practices along um, the, I think it was a seven-week time frame for teams to develop the app. So we had a great response. We had a lot more teams involved in the challenge than we thought. And, and honestly, we received some um, great videos um, of the team's apps. And then honestly, um, we were just thoroughly impressed with the, with the work that they did. Um, making this a team-based challenge is something that um, very closely mimics what NASA teams do throughout um, their work and as they you know, seek to um, collaborate to successfully complete a project. So um, having that same dynamic allows them to understand some of the challenges and how you overcome those as you're actually, in this case, building an app. But, um, it was tremendously successful. We did uh, take two teams to the 
flight test in July of 2019. Uh, they were actually able to see the flight test live, see the launch. Uh, they got access to the mission control room uh, where um, they got a chance to talk to some folks that were working on the mission. And then we were actually able to use some of the data from the flight test, some altered data from the flight test, and actually run it on the students' apps. And it was great to see because the flight test ended up actually exceeding, I think, the, um, the height for the, the test, the launch itself, or the elevation of that, uh, of that AH2 actually went to. So we were able to see that on the students' apps. So it was really cool. They did an excellent job. And like I said, we've used that model and expanded on it a little bit to offer this year's challenge. What a cool thing. Not only do you get to actually participate in some of this stuff, but I bet you that you had a bunch of eyes lighting up uh, just walking around Mission Control and actually seeing the Ascent Abort 2 uh, mission, seeing a rocket go off the pad. Uh, that must have been such a credible experience. There was something uh, I, I know uh, I have here called a culminating event. Was that was that it when they actually went to go see it, or is, am I thinking about something else here? No, you got it. That's, that's exactly it. Uh, the culminating event was uh, five days, and um, the students went on VIP tours. Um, they got to present to NASA leadership, and um, we really just uh, had a great time um, getting them immersed in the NASA culture. They also had the opportunity to present to the general public. So after the flight test, there was a time for community engagement and outreach, and they were able to talk to people of all ages and share some of their experiences. Uh, this year we're looking to do the same thing. Uh, like I said, the challenge starts on September 30th. It will actually wrap up on November 18th with student team video submissions. So the teams actually don't submit their apps. They actually show, they film a video and they post it to, uh, to YouTube for our teams to review. And we just obviously are looking at the video and going through the app requirements. And then based off of um, review of those videos, we'll down select to interviews. That's where a smaller group of uh, selected teams will actually interview with the SCAN and ADC team. So I had the chance to actually talk to the people uh, working uh, for SCAN and uh, you know, learn a little bit more about the team and the app that they've created. After that, we will uh, down-select again. We might take one, we might take two or more teams, um, but those will be our top teams for our culminating event. So right now we're looking at February 2021 for a culminating event that hopefully will be at a NASA Field Center, uh, but if not, we have to do some sort of virtual student symposium. We will definitely do that. Uh, but we definitely want um, to highlight, obviously, the, the students and their work. And that culminating event does that. Now this, uh, yeah, yeah. There's we're still uh, some uncertainty here with COVID nineteen, but I'm sure you know if you ha if we have the COVID, um, if we have the culminating, or sorry, the, the kickoff event. My apologies. Coming up here in just a few days, uh, uh, September thirtieth. Uh, I'm assuming you know you're going to have students from is it is it all over the United States and then and then would they be paired in teams across the United States so so all this work will be done uh, virtually for I guess the the fall period of 2020. Yeah, so uh, teams can be from the same school, different schools. We really have opened it up to formal and informal U.S. education organizations. So that really means across the nation, but it could potentially mean internationally. If like a military base uh, overseas, uh, a school that wants to participate, uh, science centers can participate. So um, you can actually form a team with students from different schools, and the team is registered by a lead teacher. That has to be a certified and practicing uh, K through 12 educator. But uh, once the, once the teams are formed, then they can go ahead and obviously start working on developing their app. What's going to be um, interesting to see how they do that. Uh, this challenge is very well set up to be a virtual challenge. Uh, they can post their, their apps 
uh, online. Obviously, and share those from different resources. Most of the um, software that they're going to use will be online. Uh, we don't require them to have a specific operating system or uh, use specific coding language. They determine all of that. So they can find out who has strengths in different areas, and they formulate their team that way. So it's really an open-ended in, in regards to what we require. Um, but the main focus here is it's all a student-led challenge. And um, as students begin to navigate how to build that app, we'll provide those resources and suggestions and um, different presentations during those live virtual connections. So um, we're looking forward to, to seeing, you know, obviously, how this uh, second year of the challenge goes. We're very excited. It ties directly into Artemis. And more specifically, these students are going to contribute to future mission planning. So that could, these apps could actually help uh, the SCAN team train um, new staff members on, you know, what's the best route for exploration on the moon. Um, but the main thing is, is when our astronauts get to the south pole of the moon, they need to be safe. Uh, they need to be able to communicate with Earth, and this app uh, brings all those things into play. They will visualize the moon's south pole region, but they also have to do two additional things. They actually have to um, plot a path for exploration. So astronauts are not always going to land in the place that they're going to explore. So we have a landing site, and then we have a destination site, and they have to plot that path for exploration. And then the, the last thing they have to do is they actually have to identify 10 communication link checkpoints. So places that we can maintain that communication with, with Earth. So a uh, very exciting challenge. We're looking forward to getting things rolling on September 30th. Maps, adventures, communication. What a cool way to participate uh, in uh, returning humans to the moon. Uh, very, very cool. We'll make sure to put this... Uh, this information about the kickoff event at the very top. For those who are listening and thinking, oh, man, this is really cool, um, we'll have uh, some, some links and some information in our show notes here uh, where you can go explore these. So that's, that's just one example of, of, of the many things going on in STEM engagement. This is the App Development Challenge. Mike, I know you're the lead for something called uh, NASA Wear, uh, the NASA Wear Challenge. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um... NASA Wear, and believe it or not, that's not a, an acronym. It's, even though you can wear it NASA, it, this one is not an acronym. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have a challenge very similar uh, in setup to uh, the app development challenge that Jamie just talked about, but we have a totally different focus in what we're working on. Um, when our astronauts go into deep space, and we define deep space as anything really beyond low Earth orbit, which is where the International Space Station is at, as you go beyond... Um, as you go beyond that low Earth orbit, you leave Earth's atmosphere, you get beyond or into the much weaker parts of Earth's magnetosphere. So we don't get protection from radiation, especially the radiation that's coming from our, from the sun, what we call uh, solar particle events. It's constantly coming, but there's also these larger, um, basically explosions of radiation from the sun. You know, we, 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 you hear about solar flares or coronal mass ejections. That's what one of the uh, outcomes of that is a lot of more radiation put into space. And the human body is very much susceptible to that, um, and, it, and it's not good. So that's one of the key hazards that astronauts face going on deep missions back to the moon or onto Mars. And in spacecraft design, you know, they do their best to harden the, harden the spacecraft to protect the astronauts. But these larger events, they need more protection. So we partner with a group here at uh, Johnson Space Center, uh, the RadWorks team, who also has um, team members at Glenn Research Center in Cleveland, Ohio, and Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. 
to look at wearable technology that the astronauts could don during these large events to provide more protection. Then uh, that's where we got the name NASA Wear. So what we're asking students to do, and again, we're focused on middle and high school teams, so basically uh, grades five through through, through 12, um, is asking them to design garments and or headgear that the astronauts can put on inside the, their spacecraft to give them added protection. Of course, to do that, they have to understand what kind of materials are good for protecting um, against radiation, because you know, while it might be nice to have a lead suit, uh, you really can't put that on a spacecraft. It weighs too much. So what are some lightweight materials that protect you well? They have to, you know, learn about some material science. They have to learn about radiation. And then they have to get into the design process to what would be the best design to protect the human body. And we're looking at the upper torso, basically those blood-forming organs in the upper torso, and, and the head. That's where the headgear comes in with the brain and especially the eyes. Um, so... That's what we challenge students to do. We give them several weeks to learn about that. We work with our RevWorks partners that are at Langley. Uh, they're the group of material scientists um, and space scientists there, space physicists, that we share with the students, you know, what they're working against in terms of the radiation. Um, talk about human factors. You know, you may put this thing on, but you still got to fly that spacecraft. you still got to do all the things that you've got to do to remain safe, keep everything operational, so you've got to be able to move, you've got to be able to do all those kinds of things. You know, we talk about protecting the eyes, but you still have to have vision to look at the dials, find switches, find things in the spacecraft. So finding the best materials and how to put that together. And then we allow them to, to uh, submit their design product process. We select those, ask them to build a low-fidelity low, uh, prototype. Um, both fidelity and that we know they're not going to have all the materials available, you know, in a middle school or high school or even find at home. It would be the real thing we would use on a mission, but they get to use uh, good facsimiles of the material to design what their prototype will look like. And then we put them in front of the, that team from RadWorks and other NASA scientists and engineers and have them actually present their findings. You know, this is what our, this is why we did this design, this is how it works. And the folks at RadWorks have actually taken some of those design ideas and put them into some of the new prototypes that they're working on. So the students in our first go-round, because we're in our second year now, but our first go-round actually, some of their ideas, like I said, the team has used, they did 3D printing, they did, they used water, they used all sorts of things that the team had not thought of or even some things they had thought of but hadn't had time to investigate. They love the, the ideas that the students came up with. So that's the gist of what we're working on is wearable technologies. Yeah, like uh, very fancy uh, space fashion almost, uh, wearing, wearing <laughs> you know, head, headgear and, and, and uh, I'm thinking like plated armor, but I'm sure, I'm sure the students came up with some really, uh, really unique ideas there. They, they really did. Um, uh, the first year we really focused on just the, just the garment. Um, and we had students that did biomimicry. You know, they used ideas from nature to come up with one. We had one that, that did a, um, the name is escaping me. Basically, it's an African artwork, but it's got these, like, like you said, plates, almost look like armor, that they, they mimic that. Um, we had those that used um, ancient, um, you know, like medieval armor ideas, chain mail, but they did uh, printing 3D using 
uh, polyethylene, you know, plastics that were interchangeable to actually provide that kind of protection that we're looking for. So they really came up with some, some great ideas. And then we did it again this year, um, the activity, and this is the year we added the, the headgear. And I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they do because we're still in the middle of, of wrapping it up for this year. Uh, we just uh, earlier um, just selected our final teams for our culminating event. Oh, wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, you're going to see some really cool ideas, hopefully, there. That's um, amazing. Another another example of um, coming up with unique uh, unique ways to solve these challenges. I love the 3D-printed chainmail idea. That is so cool. Um, instead of shipping something up, you just print it one piece at a time uh, and maybe come up with something something that can help you out. Very, very cool. Yeah, um that was actually something that hadn't been discussed. You know, they had limits on what they could, could how much weight, of course, that they could send. They were given a 50-pound maximum um, for the uh, for what they could send up. But, um, yeah, the 3D printing, that was one of the first things that the Radworks folks said is, hey, this is it's fixable. You know, either you can print new, new scales if you need them or uh, there because we do have 3D printing capabilities in space, or at least we have. Hopefully we will on future missions. Um, so, yeah, there's so many things that, that, that go into this. And the human factors, it's amazing to me. This is, in a way, kind of a set crowdsourcing engineering design process using students as the, as, as the idea generators. And it's really the amazing different ways that, that they think and all the different ways that they can come up to address a problem. It's, it's really amazing to watch. Very cool. And, and you said this um, culminating event is coming up very soon. I'm assuming that's a... Um virtual culminating event uh what are we what are we looking at uh doing for some of the winners here yeah most definitely um yeah covid definitely had an impact on us uh we were originally going to do some of what you heard the app development challenge did and we were able to do our first year uh was which was to take uh, our top teams and have them present live um at langley research center to the team the radworks team that works there unfortunately this year uh, circumstances are not allowing that, so we are going to a virtual, what we're calling a virtual student symposium, where they're still going to get to hear from NASA experts and and the most what I consider the most important part, their opportunity to present their ideas and findings to our panel of NASA experts and get that uh, review and questions asked and really get that feedback from the experts about their about their designs. Very very cool, you know I think um, one of the things that really jumps out to me listening to to some of these challenges is, well, the first thing that comes to mind is, man, where were these things when I was in school? And maybe it was just my own failure of just not looking in the right places, but there's so many, so many different opportunities for people to participate in, in real space challenges and maybe get more exposure to science and engineering than they would, uh, in the, in the typical classroom. Um, I think one of the best things about, uh, the education uh, field, uh, some, something you guys both get to participate in, is working with students. Uh, you got to find, have, have some memories of times where these students are going through uh, these challenges and there's just something in their face or something in the way they say something that you can tell that, uh, that this activity or, or process has changed them uh, in a way that Maybe they weren't considering a STEM field before, but they sure as heck are now. Uh, Jamie, I'm sure you have something that comes to mind um, that uh, just a, a memory of a student 
or maybe just an, an event where you you saw a measurable change in uh, in someone's behavior and and possibly their career path. Yeah, certainly. Uh, for the Center Board Two App Challenge, we had the opportunity to actually set up before the the, the flight test launched um, at the, one of the viewing areas, and so. The student teams actually brought their laptops, set them up. So as everyone from NASA was coming in, these people that have worked on the project, you know, for for months and years, um, they're coming in. They're actually getting a chance to see, um, you know, what's about to happen with the flight test. And it was just a great opportunity for us to sit back and watch students realize that these are some of the the people or the careers that they want to be a part of as they as they go throughout. Um, you know, they're continuing education and obviously in choosing their careers. So just watching the engagement and um, how impressed the folks were that were actually talking with the students and just seeing the students light up in terms of, you know, this is, this is what they're interested in doing and these people are doing the exact same thing. So that, that was just a, an awesome opportunity for both the students and just for us to see um, kind of everything come to fruition when it comes to um, you know, how we design these challenges and the impact that, that we hope they have. Very cool. Now, now, Mike, what are some of the things that we can uh, look forward to? I'm sure, you know, we're, we're going to keep this episode up here for a while, and we have these challenges uh, coming up in the very near future, so we hope people tune in and, and get a chance to participate in some of those in the near term. But, Mike, some of those things coming up um, coming up in the future that maybe if they, don't, if they miss this opportunity, they'll have some more uh, sometime down the road. Yeah, thank you for the question about what's coming up next. Uh, first off, uh, NASA Wear, we're getting ready to uh, put together a uh, new iteration of it for the 2020-21 uh, uh, school year. So we'll be hearing more about that soon. Uh, keep an eye. Jamie mentioned earlier the NASA Express, which is a weekly newsletter about opportunities. So look, look, look for that specifically. But other things that are coming up, there are lots of them. Like we mentioned earlier, there's lots of different things that are coming out. Uh, there's a new opportunity for uh, undergraduates at the university level called SPOCS to actually put uh, experiments on the International Space Station. There are there will be new crew opportunities around the upcoming uh, crew launch in October. There's all sorts of things, uh, and even in the future, there are things that are planned. Um, can't say too much about them yet, but uh, always looking for those opportunities to connect to a mission and bring that excitement to, to the students. And as mentioned, the best way to keep up with that is check our NASA STEM website quite often and or sign up for that NASA Express newsletter, which will give you a weekly update of what's out there. There you go. Have the opportunities come right right to you. Perfect. Uh, Jamie and Mike, thank you so much for, for coming on Houston. We have a podcast today. What exciting uh, challenges that we have coming up here in the, in the near future. A lot of ways that people can engage uh, in in STEM activities, even even from home, uh, depending on on where you are, all these opportunities are available to people, and uh, and there's a lot more coming up. We've listed a ton of resources here, so if you uh, didn't catch them all, or, or you don't have a pen and paper next to you to write them all down, don't worry. We'll uh, we'll have all of these uh, links and and um, and notes in our in our episode show notes. So uh, that's for our listeners. Jamie and Mike, thanks again for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. Thank you so much, Gary. Thanks, Gary. Houston, go ahead. Roger, zero J, and I feel fine. Settle heads, clear the tower. The game is game for all mankind.
Hey, thanks for sticking around. Really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jamie and Mike. For the students and teachers, I hope you listened to the whole thing. There are a lot of things that we talked about today. Uh, I'm just going to make this easy on everyone. And uh, just go to our episode, our our podcast webpage. It's uh, nasa.gov slash johnson slash hwhap, as in Houston, we have a podcast. And you can find this episode 163. Uh, We're going to list all the links that we mentioned uh, today here for you. Of course, right at the top, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, September 25th, uh, you are lucky enough to uh, be just a few days ahead of the seminar that Jamie mentioned a few times, uh, and we'll put a link up at the top where you can go uh, check that out. That's again on September 30th. Otherwise, you can check out some of the other podcasts we have across NASA at nasa.gov slash podcasts. If you'd like to talk to us at Houston, we have a podcast. We're on the Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use that hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show. And make sure to mention it's for us at Houston, we have a podcast. This episode was recorded on September 3rd, 2020. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norm Moran, Belinda Polito, Jennifer Hernandez, and Danae Fullwood. Thanks again to Jamie Semple and Mike McGlone for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think of the show. We'll be back next week.